while we're licensed mental health professionals, we're not your licensed mental health professionals. This podcast is intended to provide entertainment and information, not take the place of your own therapy services or professional education. Our thoughts and opinions are just that, our own thoughts and opinions. We're We're experts. experts. Kinda. Welcome to the first episode. Welcome, everybody. This is the very first episode. So exciting. (laughs) Um, So, we are hoping to cover today the different types of people that assist you in obtaining your mental health help. All the people. So, there's a lot of people. We won't cover all the people. The main culprits that we were going to discuss today... And the differences between them, too, I think, not just, like, what they do, but what they're supposed to do, because that's important, too. Yes. um, Is, like, a peer counselor and a life coach versus... Counselor, therapist. Yep. Psychologist, psychiatrist. Psych ARMP. Yep. So, psychiatric nurse practitioner, for those of you who may not know what that is. (laughs) Um... And I think those are the main ones we wanted to cover because if you're receiving mental health help somewhere, you should be receiving it from probably only two or three of those people. The other people are probably not providing like therapy services. They are providing other types of services, but probably not like full on hour long therapy. And making sure the people you're receiving it from are practicing within the intended scope of practice of their profession. I think that, actually, I think that's a really good starting point, too, because one of the things I think is important for people to know is that um, when you're looking for a therapist, let's start with that a little bit, you are allowed to pick whoever you want. Anybody. You, anybody. You, well. That I you mean, can afford. Also not like some random person on the street hanging therapy. But, like, there's lots of websites that provide information. Or, like, your insurance website will give you information. And I think it's important that people know that when they're looking for a therapist, um, that they're allowed to shop around, right? It's like buying a car. You can go and test drive it. Most therapists, I myself, and I think you, provide free consultations. Yep. Um, not, like, a full hour-long session, but, like, a 15-minute phone call or, well, right now, a 15-minute phone call. Or, like, Zoom chat to and, talk. Yeah. And I've encouraged clients to, when I'm on the phone and they're hesitant, you know, call a few more people, get back to me, or let's do a first session and, you know, let me know how it goes and we can schedule again. Or you can say, hey, this isn't the right jive. Right. I think that's, like, one of the most important things, too. Like, so, um, what I always tell people, and I think that you've heard me say this before, too, is, like, I want to make sure you get help and maybe that help isn't with me so like I always compare myself to pizza like everybody likes pizza but maybe maybe I'm like a sausage and pepperoni pizza and you're a vegetarian then I'm obviously not your kind of pizza so find your veggie delight pizza or whatever my goal is for you to get help and maybe it's not with me yeah but also if you've tried a hundred pieces of pizza and you hate all of them is it the pizza or is it you? Right. Maybe it's not the right time. And I feel like that's a whole other episode is like stage of change. A whole other episode. If you're interested, look it up. It's called Stages of Change. Okay. 
so back to the actual topic of this first podcast. So there's lots of different people who can help you with your mental health. Um, I think it's super important for us to talk about like each person or positions scope of practice, how much you should pay for them ish. Not and not necessarily an amount because that's going to no, no, vary no. so much. One hundred, but more of a pyramid tier of <laughs> this person should not cost more than this person. Right, like a pyramid scheme of therapy, if you yeah. will. But no, like one hundred percent agree. Um, and also, I do think that you and I probably both have some bias because we have different degrees. Yeah. Um, and also, I'm wondering if other people's bias is the same as ours. Probably not. Uh, you know, you know things and we all have our history in our past and we all have become therapists for specific reasons usually because we have struggled or dealt with mental health in some way shape or form in the past um and either have like resolved that hopefully hopefully ideally come on don't see a therapist who's talking to you about their own problems we'll talk about that in another show but back to like the tiering okay so tiering so So the base. base level your peers a lot of states have some form of peer support peer counselor peer specialist peer or or, i mean honestly like peer is kind of the same level as your friend yeah think of like when you start a new school and somebody gives you a tour right it's another student who just knows the school really well and that's i mean literally that's exactly what a peer is and so um in some states there is a peer who is a person who has had mental health counseling yeah and has quote unquote graduated which just means they've completed their they've met their goals they feel like they can not be in therapy they're fine and they help you do daily things yeah have these conversations with your friends Mm -hmm. because they're going to provide you advice which is different than counseling or therapy yeah i think like any any level of this pyramid as long as you're recognizing Mm -hmm. where you're at what your like proper educational background is for this role then I think it can be executed lovely. As long as a peer is trying not to come off as a therapist or a psychologist, that's great. It can be so helpful. Super helpful. And usually it's in conjunction with therapy. Yes. Right. And that can be super helpful. Most of us in the therapy professions have a licensing board, right? So if I mess up hardcore and one of my clients commits suicide, murders another person, I am held liable. Like I sleep with a client. Oh, God why why <laughs> come on people it like happens. that's literally rule number one in therapy yeah. school they're like hey guess what you're not allowed to sleep with clients okay cool Done. i i i got it sign me up right okay i'll, I'll sign that box um i'll but check if, that box but if we make a mistake we're held accountable to the sense of we can lose our license we could no longer be able to do this as a profession we're sued usually banned from practicing therapy yeah and you it's not you can't just move to another state no because they're gonna be like oh have you had any disciplinary action in another state well fuck yeah right yes and so that's where you know not every state has any kind of supervision over peers some do right and some don't and then life coaches life coaches there's no licensing board the next tier would be counselors and therapists because they're used so interchangeably it's true But just knowing at what point, you know, the professional you're going to hasn't had the training. And that that can go within therapists, too. And therapists can specialize in things. The reason I say anxiety is one of my specialties is because every year I do continuing education credits specifically on anxiety. So I just finished a training through PESI, 
um, which is one of our organizations that therapists and psychologists, psychiatrists use a lot for continuing education. And it was a, um, it was to become certified a certified anxiety specialist and certified tele mental health specialist. Um, and so I took the 36 hour course to become a specialist in those specific areas. And obviously right now because of COVID and everything, like for me, I felt it was important to have that credentialing um, for my day job um, and also for my private practice. I think this is the best way I can describe it though, as far as like counselor therapist, all that stuff goes mm -hmm. is, you know, how a, a a square can be a rectangle, but a rectangle can't be a square. Exactly. I think that a therapist can do counseling for the most part, mm -hmm. but a counselor can't always do therapy. And I think that's where different trainings and educations that you do past the bare minimum are going to count. You know, there are going to be schools for give you a counseling degree that are going to cover therapy that are going to train you to do therapy right? because there are licensed master's degree programs for counseling and they train you therapy techniques they teach you cognitive behavioral therapy they teach you that stuff and then there are programs that don't because the bare minimum for counseling might not require that right it might just be a master's in psychology which is very different than a lot of like yeah. you know other things we'll just go with psychologist is next mm -hmm. here um, so the next tier is psychologist. So a psychologist is somebody who has a doctorate, yep. which is different than a master's. It's one up yep. from a master's degree. It's a whole <laughs> new pony show. It, <laughs> it is a whole new dog and pony show. Um, and so people who have doctorates are able to call themselves psychologists. Now the difference between like a therapist and a psychologist, because I have people call me doctor all the time. All the time. And I'm like, I'm not a doctor. I don't have that degree. Nor at this point in my life is that what I want to do. No. I'm not saying I'll never want to do it, because that's literally the next degree. We've talked about it. Oh, we've... Yeah. Maybe we should get a doctorate. But I think the difference really is that... So psychologists have a master's... Not a master's degree. Well, they have a master's degree, but they... Some of them. But they have a doctorate in usually in psychology. And so it'll be like... A psych D is usually what we call it. Mm -hmm. So it's a doctorate in psychology. And the difference mainly between what they do and what like a therapist or counselor does is they also can provide psychological testing. Yep. And a lot of, uh, like if you have a really complicated mental health, you know, if you have a lot of co-occurring disorders, stuff like that, you should seek a psychologist to really dive into them. Something else I was learning online too is that more the difference between the psychologist and psychiatrist. Mm. Um, psychiatrist is trained specifically to help rule out medical causes yep. for your, what appears to be mental health symptoms. Right. Your therapist might know of based on experience level, based on trainings they went right. to, but generally speaking, that's not within their wheelhouse. That's not their scope of practice. They're not expected to know right. that. Well, and that, I think that's the important difference too between psychologists and psychiatrists, right? So a psychologist has like, it's either like a psych D or a PhD or an ed D. Yeah. So that's what a psychologist is. And those are all doctorates. But a psychiatrist has a, an MD. They are a medical doctor. Yeah. They go to med school first. So they yeah. become a doctor and then, as with most doctors, you can then you specialize, right? So then you pick whatever practice you want to be in. You go to like family practice, family practice, or you go to like cardiology, or you become an orthopedic surgeon, mm -hmm. 
or you become a psychiatrist. So my, my family, they're like, well, sis, why don't you become a psychiatrist? Ooh. And I'm like, guys. I have to start over. Right. So that's the thing a lot of people don't understand, I didn't though, take right? chemistry in college. Right. <laughs> but so that's the thing that people don't understand. They're like, oh, okay, so your next degree is psychiatrist, right? I'm like, no, okay, so, like, education, let's say it's like a tree, right? So, like, your maybe your associate's degree is the same as everybody else's, um, but... When you get a little bit higher, like, that's when you start specializing. And so to become a therapist, you go, like, the social sciences route. Mm -hmm. But to become a doctor, you go, like, natural sciences route. Yeah. So that means we'd have to completely redo our bachelor's programs. Right. And then go to, and then be accepted into, and and go to medical school. Yeah. And that's, that's with that, again, that base required education. I've known people with uh, counseling degrees who actually got uh, their bachelor in like biology. They did like a pre-med program and then they did their master's in counseling. And so, but the idea is as a psychologist or as a therapist or as a counselor, you don't have to go to med school. You don't have to take, you know, depending on the school and the program you went to, I didn't have to take chemistry. I took the bare basic freshman biology, you know, and in my master's program, I did do neuroscience, but it was like baby neuroscience compared to what you would do in like a even a pre-med bachelor's yeah the classes are so different and i think so that's one of the main differences between psychologist and psychiatrist is one is a medical doctor yeah they and that's a psychiatrist yeah and they are allowed to prescribe medication to Mm -hmm. you and not just like psych meds they can prescribe other things too they're supposed to focus on psych meds Oh, they focus through the medical model of treatment. Right. Where, the medical model. Yes, the medical model of treatment. Not that you need medicine to cure everything, but you focus on curing the body through the idea of, like, your neurochemicals, your your body's makeup, not as much of the talking. Right. Not as much of the necessary changing behaviors. They incorporate that, but that's not the base of their model. Right. And so there are some states that allow you to get, as a psychologist, to get a prescribing license um, as a therapist or a psychologist. Again, with a prescribing license, like it's a whole thing. You have to do a whole thing in order to do it. And so, like I was saying earlier, I asked my cousin, who is a surgeon, like, hey, um, I went like the left tree branch, which is social sciences and got my master's in this. I have no idea what it takes to become a psychiatrist. I think they're medical doctors. And then I think after that you specialize, but I don't know what that consists of. So this is what he told me. He said, um, yes, after medical school, you begin your specialty training. The old way was as an intern year in either general medicine or surgery, but now most residency programs integrate the intern year into their full program. That usually includes general medical or surgical rotations with some time in either your field or similar field. He said psychology is pretty similar. He gave me a link to a school's residency program that shows me the different rotations that we go th- they would go through each year. Um, and one of the things he pointed out was in post-grad year one, there's an intern mix of general medicine and psychiatry for people who are going into psych, right? So it's not like you're just working at the hospital. And that goes back to... You can know when it's a physical, potentially a physical cause to what appears to be a mental health symptom. There are physical ailments that we all have that cause mental health issues. Most common ones, thyroid. 
diabetes. Mm-hmm. Both those. Thyroid being off can oh my God. cause so many like irritability, mood swings. Right. It can present as so many different mental health disorders. Right. And like diabetes, right? Like low or high blood sugar or yeah. hypoglycemia or something like that. If you know known anybody who's diabetic who's not like really on top of that, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And so then the thing that he also said, because I also hear I also hear this thing about like fellowships. I'm like, I don't even know what that is. And so he said that there's a possibility of doing a fellowship after that for specialization in things like addiction medicine, child adolescent psych, etc. I yeah, and I remember I was I was asked one time by somebody like, So what's the next step, doctor? Okay, what would I get my PhD in? Right. Why not just become a prescriber? And I was looking into it, and I have a damn master's degree. I have spent, I have a whole lifetime of school. A lifetime of school and And I would have to start over because I did none of the pre-med. None. None None. of them. Yeah. It is, you know, going from therapist to a prescriber is such a huge jump. It is a totally different training. It's a totally different approach to how you approach a problem with a client. Yep. It's the medical model, which is very different yeah. than what we do. And I've seen prescribers who definitely, you know, when I'm talking with them, they don't sound like they're coming from a medical model. But then, you know, as you get deeper into talking about a client, mm-hmm. it's clear that they're also able to incorporate that and provide a whole different approach of treatment. Yeah. <clears throat> Here's my plug. So I think general practitioner doctors family medicine people are wonderful they have a hard job a whole bunch of stuff and if you have a heart attack are you going to your general doctor for that or are you going to go to a cardiologist cardiologist for sure yeah so why would you go to your general doctor for psych meds they are not specialists like as i literally just read to you from my cousin go to a psychiatrist or a psychiatric nurse practitioner, which Mm -hmm. we'll talk about in just a sec. And tell your doctor if you're feeling depressed too. Like be honest with them. If they're like, how are things going? You're like, I've been feeling kind of crappy lately. You're you're supposed to tell them that. Yeah. And then get a referral for a psychiatrist. And they're, they're doing everything they can. And And it's a great, and it's necessary and it's needed. And it's a huge part of a mental health pyramid. That Mm -hmm. base is the biggest thing. You need a lot of that peer support. You need a lot of that base. Also, like, we've been talking about so far, like, continuing education credits, right? Mm-hmm. So we all need continuing education credits. So do psychiatrists. Yes. They are getting the most current, up-to-date information on psych meds. Yeah. Think of a general doctor practitioner as, like, a triage nurse in the Exactly. ER. They're, your, they're like your gateway drug. Right? right? Like, is this something minor where I can, you know, give you this base level treatment right. Am I intervention? A little blue. Or do you need a referral to a specialist? And here are specialists that take your insurance. So knowing what level you're at, are you having a lot of conflict in your life? Right. Continual. You, is it a pattern? Is it a pattern? It's not just this week. Like, this oh, month. weird. The, my last three boyfriends and I broke up All because of, of this same thing. Yep. Or, okay, I remember this thing from my past and, like, ugh, remember that when that happened in high school and you talked to your high school friend or your friend, like, did you ever go through that in high school? And you're like, oh, oh my God, we all had that one teacher. And then it's like, or is this a significant thing? And it's no longer about finding somebody who can share 
in that grief, that pain, that annoyance, that frustration? And is it something that you need to work through and process? It's causing you interruptions in your daily life. It's causing a dysfunction in your roles as a person. Right. And you need a therapist. It's interfering with your ability to be like a successful human being. Or can you like not sleep at night and you need to maybe see a psychiatrist about a way to help you sleep at night? Right. You know, there's different levels of it. And a lot of times I have people come to and they're like, I just don't want to do meds. I just don't want to do meds. I'm like, that's fine. Let's try therapy for a while. Right. And if this isn't working, maybe we need to take the edge off. Right. So my my thing for people who are like, I don't want to do meds. I'm like, that's fine. Like, I totally understand and also sometimes it's the chemistry in your body, right? And as like, much as we talk about it, it's not changing. It's not going to help. And I think that's the thing, too, that I'm always really interested about with people who are, like, dead set against medication. Like, and this, I think this is the whole thing with someone like the mental health stigma. Like, if you had diabetes, would you be like, I'm, I'm good. I'm not going to take insulin. I don't need insulin. It's fine. Just, like, I'm in a diabetic coma. My blood sugar is like 900. It's cool. Or would you inject yourself with insulin? And, you know, and then, you know, all the different ways you can approach it. Are you going to take the insulin and make the food diet choices? The life choices. Right? Do you need to make exercise? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So I believe a conjunction, right? Oh, so for sure. I believe in there's nothing wrong with mental health medication. If you are a person who needs and let's be real yeah so many everybody needs everybody needs some mental health medication and some therapy everybody needs therapy. a combination okay everybody needs therapy we might be biased because we're therapists never see a therapist that doesn't have their own therapist they are would you see a doctor who doesn't see another doctor what does that mean about your therapist that all the stuff that you're telling them times 10 Mm -hmm. to 20 a week and they're just cool with that and think about why people get into the profession they get into right somebody becomes a specialist in oncology like they want to treat cancer because a family member they had and so you think about therapy we all have our own stuff that we have been through we have gone through we have worked through right and that's what sparked our interest in this either we had really shitty therapy ourselves Mm -hmm. and we were like okay there's gotta be more to this or we had a really Mm -hmm. great therapist and so never see a professional that doesn't have their own professional i think the thing is you know seek help based on what you need yeah but know the difference and also now that we've kind of explained well also <laughs> and like and ask the person that you're seeking help from right do i need to go a step higher you know i've i've had conversations with clients as far as do you feel like i'm helping Right. And your therapist should be checking in with you on progress. Do you feel like this is helping? Mm -hmm. Unless, like, because clients will bring it up every once in a while. Oh, this has been so helpful. Oh, I realize this. You should see a specialist. Somebody who specializes. Regardless of what your state laws are. That is a whole different ballgame that is not taught as a base level curriculum for any licensing therapist board. That's not part of a base level curriculum. Now, a school might have it as something they do or specific therapist individual or therapist could be like certified in that yes and that's different and so ask your therapist you know if you feel stuck saying like hey i really feel stuck about my trauma like do i need to see a psychologist about this There's a lot of trauma-based stuff like let's find a trauma specialist or let's change the therapy modality we're approaching for sure 
this, you know, these sessions with. Like when I first meet with clients, what will happen is we'll do the intake, obviously, which is all the paperwork. All and the we'll paperwork. chat about all the things. And then, you know, we'll talk about, uh, like for me, I still like to do the, um, well, and I guess this isn't psychological testing, but it's just like, you know, diagnosis checking. So like yeah. we do a GAD7, which is the anxiety diagnosis rating scale. We'll do a PHQ9, which is depression, yeah. just to see where they're at. And also as like a baseline so that in six months, usually less, three months, we can check in and see if things are better or worse. Yeah. Now, if we're doing trauma therapy, like in around that time, things I'm not expecting to be better. And that's no. the other thing about therapy too that I think people don't understand is maybe they'll go once or twice and they don't like quote unquote love it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> that's because the therapist like is challenging them or they're like talking about things that are mm-hmm. like hard to talk about, but they're dealing with them. Sometimes therapy feels like that. Yeah. Sometimes you feel tired. Sometimes you feel worse mm-hmm. and that's okay. Yeah. And I think too, the idea like with the pyramid thing is you can have a peer, you can have lots of peers, right? Your general peers, your, peer your group, friends, you your will, peer yeah. group. You can have a life coach, you can have a therapist, you can have a psychiatrist, but also make sure they're aware of each other. And, you know, each therapist really has their own style, if you will, of therapy, even within the different modalities that we practice. Oh, yeah. And so when we say modalities, it just means kinds of therapy. And so I think the thing that's important is to ask your therapist what kind of therapy modalities they use, what kind they they like. Almost all are going to say like an eclectic version because we all use an eclectic version. There are, okay, and I'm sure this will be another episode. There are five main groups, according to my research, yeah. of therapy modalities. And I think maybe that'll be one of our next sessions is just talking about that. Mm-hmm. But I think all of them are partially CBT, which yeah. is like You're a focused, cause and effect kind of right? thing. Thoughts, feelings, behaviors. Yeah. That's Thoughts, feelings, and behaviors. But, and, and then also like person-centered, right? Yeah. And I would say that, that I do a lot of CBT person-centered and mm-hmm. EMDR. Yeah. You know, and then I... Yeah, of course, there are sessions where, yeah, we're validating and, and solution-focused. Solution-focused, yeah. If you're creating goals, you're doing solution-focused. You're doing solution-focused yeah. therapy. Um, but, and then, yeah, like, I definitely can use all of them in a session. But the idea is when I'm asking questions, when I'm thinking about what I'm going to ask next, when I'm thinking about where the session's going and where you're taking the session as the client. Because it's your session. I'm going to think through a lens of something. <laughs> think that's the important part too is seeing if your therapist has a lens they're using or if they're just sitting there and seeing what comes to mind right exactly like what filter am I using am I using a CBT filter in which case when I'm pausing to reflect on something you've said I should do it through a lens of how has this thought pattern influenced your feelings and behaviors right how how has has this feeling influenced your behaviors and thoughts yeah versus like right versus trauma it's going to be more focused on like how has this event right and influenced who you think you are as a person or and how you yeah. see the world you know how has your past and you know what where do you, what do you think is triggering this like well let's deep dive deep into the memory bank i'm not necessarily doing that in cbt no no i think the thing that you should remember from this episode there are different levels of therapy all right so then I think the other part next to psychiatrist mm-hmm. at the tippy top should be psychiatric nurse practitioner. Yeah. Because psychiatric nurse practitioner is also somebody who provides diagnosis and provides medication. 
And also practices under the medical model. In medical model. Now, Mm -hmm. information I've learned recently about this job. Yeah. Because at the private practice that I work at, I rent an office. And um, in the building, there is also a psychiatric nurse practitioner that I refer all of Mm -hmm. my clients to. I love her. Um, She's really good. Her intakes are two hours long. Like, she really takes her time to make sure that she knows what's going on with people. And I really like it. And so, for the longest time, she... I heard her say that she called herself Dr. Whatever her first name is. And I was like, doctor, she's a nurse. Like, I don't get it. Well, I have come to find out that she and people like her now are required to have a doctorate in nursing. Mm -hmm. And so before it was like a bachelor's of science in nursing, BSN. Yeah. And so with that, you become a psychiatric nurse practitioner. But um, if you could send me what your job entails specifically Mm -hmm. and also like how you become what you're you are like in like licensing board and kind of that stuff like the stuff we've been talking about for the other degrees they all want people who have psych nps to have a doctorate she got her doctor of nursing at the same place that i got my degree and they want that as a concentration it's a three to four year program depending on full or part-time status um it is year-round so no breaks which means you have to go in the summer yuck the master's program portion is built in with the bachelor's of science of nursing to doctorate of nursing practitioner. If one already has their master's degree, then it's only two more years. They also offer programs for psych NPs already practicing with master's degree to get their doctorate. Um, after graduation, they have to sit for their boards through the American Nurse Credentialing Center. And then after they pass the test, they are then considered board certified. She says that she feels like her role is very similar to a psychiatrist. They conduct psychiatric evaluations and base treatment plans on that. They prescribe medication. Most psych NPs out there are strictly 15-minute med checks and no therapy. Psychotherapy is part of the DNP PLM, so to not use it as a complete waste of time. Medication used without therapy is not very efficient. Her PS is PS, I love med so there's different there's different levels of therapy. It really depends on what you need for mm-hmm. like which part of the pyramid you're going to, what you're willing to work on. Like to what extent are you willing to really give this space? So in a therapy stage, what stage of change you're in? Right, right. And then I think too, finding in all honesty, for to me, like in that middle meat area, it doesn't really matter whether or not the person's um, some sort of licensed mental health professional mental health counselor, marriage or family therapist, social worker, whatever, if that you vibe with them, if they're providing therapy in if a way it's that working is for you. meaningful to you, if it's making a difference in your life, stick with them. And if they're not, what are you doing? Order pizza from somewhere else. Like you don't have to keep having right? that sausage and pepperoni. I'm not going to keep eating pineapple on my pizza if I don't like pineapple. If it's working, stick to it if it's not working don't waste your time don't waste your money don't waste your energy here's the other thing too like therapists and this is a blanket statement and i'm speaking for all therapists which i 100 should not be doing but therapists are grown-ups and when i when i say that what i'm meaning is if you don't feel like things are working with your therapist you should tell them and if your therapist can't handle it, find a new therapist. 100%. Number one. But if your therapist can't handle it, hopefully their response should or could be something along the lines of, I'm happy to change our modality that we're using. We can definitely change this. 
But if you'd like to focus on something that you don't feel like is my scope of practice, I'm happy to help you find mm -hmm. another therapist. I have referred, I refer people out for eating disorders, yep. for personality disorders. All the time. Um, for all sorts of things. That's not within my scope of practice. And it's not my specialty. And mm -hmm. so it's not what I have my additional training in. It's not what I work with. I think it really depends on your therapist and you and the relationship. But if, you, if you're going to therapy and you're thinking like, ugh, I really don't want to go. And it's more than like, because I feel crappy afterwards because I've been really vulnerable and open and like, you know, we're cleaning out right. that wound and like, because it's been festering. Because that's not going to feel good. No. But if it's more like she always talks about herself or he makes me feel uncomfortable right. or he's shaming me. They're guiding the, like the, the way they take the session is not what I want to get out of it. At any level of the of the pyramid. Yep. Move up, move down, move sideways. Have things at all levels. And also, don't continue to stay with somebody on that level if it's not working. Find yeah. somebody else on that level. Yeah. Level up. Level up. Level sideways. Level down. Level down. Just make sure it works. Just the thing is, they're your therapy sessions. You're literally paying for them. Yeah. They should be working for you. And it's not your fault or the therapist's fault. You just, you're not the right match. Yeah, and that's okay. Right. Everybody loves pizza. Maybe you don't like sausage and pepperoni. Maybe. I like the, all the things on it. The Supreme. The Supreme pizza. Supreme. All right. I think that was everything. So every episode, we have a diagnosis du jour section. Where one of us will present on a somewhat famous person, not somebody we know personally. Maybe. Oh. <laughs> and we'll do the a, other we'll diagnose your mom episode. Right? And the oh well, that'd be good. <laughs> and the other will comment, question, concern, agree, disagree. Uh yeah. So you have prepared somebody today. So first diagnosis. And I don't know why I went, like, truly horrific with the first person. <laughs> I think maybe it was because, like, it felt safe, right? Like, I'm going to pick somebody that nobody likes. And that way, people probably have opinions about it. They're not going to hate me for what I'm saying about this person. So I chose Hitler. <laughs> I feel like he's loathed by all. By most. I mean... Most decent human beings. Okay, hopefully anybody that's watching, not watching, but listening to this... Anybody we care about. Right. Loads. Loads. And that's what matters most. So he was truly horrific, right? Horrifying. He, heinous crimes. Awful. I, we can just start. And also a lunatic. And I am a certified mental health professional <laughs> who is allowed to use that kind of language. Um, so. Would you say he's a psychopath? I don't know. Are we well, going to get there? We're we have there. to definitely do an episode on difference between psychopath and sociopath and those yes. sorts of things because come on people let's all use the right thing mm -hmm. there's right words for this and sometimes crazy is just the right word that he is yeah so um i am using information i found from an article on psych today and it was written by stephen diamond who is a phd and um it's called how mad was hitler so I did some research, obviously I have my own opinions, but th some things that I found out that I thought were really important were, um, there was a really famous psychological study done of Hitler by Henry A. Murray, who's the former director of the Harvard Psychological Clinic. 
And um, it was done because the American OSS during the war was like, hey, we need to know what's motivating this bonkers human being. Mm-hmm. How do we defeat him? Right. Knowing him we need to know him in order to defeat him. Yes. Let's become him to defeat him. Or not. That sounds terrible. Um, and so one of the things that he <clears throat> said that he pointed out was that there wasn't a ton of information about Hitler's childhood, which is really interesting. Um, it said that he was sickly and frail. His dad was described as tyrannical and physically abusive. Um, and then psychoanalyst Michael Stone said Hitler's father repeatedly beat both Adolf and his older brother with a whip regularly, um, providing daily whippings to the more rebellious Adolf, who by the time he turned 11, refused to give his father the satisfaction of crying even after 32 lashes. Mm. Like, no, fuck no, I'm not going to cry anymore. Mm. Um, the level... And he was a child? By the time he was 11. The, le- the level it takes for you not to respond to a physical beating. That... Also to psychologically say, fuck you, I'm not giving you the satisfaction because I know you're doing it but to get a response out of me. physically to be able to control that... Emotion? Emotionally. By 11. By 11. So that's... That, that's what we know about his youth. Also there, time frame. How... What year was that? A while ago. And <laughs> that was... I mean, corporal punishment was... More normal. It was way more normal. Mm-hmm. You think about the peer support you would have had. You know, talking about your dad beating you at school. Everybody's dad beat them. What are you talking about? Don't right. complain about that. Right, like, oh, let me give you something to cry about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, let's see here. Uh... So, psychoanalyst uh, Michael Stone also suggests that Hitler's hatred for his father fueled his hatred of Jews, who, after his father died when Adolf was only 14, served as scapegoats for his residual fury um, and served as a receptacle for the defensive projection of Hitler's shadow. Uh, Also, according to Murray, the adult Hitler was counteractive type by which he meant a person primarily motivated by resentment and revenge in response to prior narcissistic wounding and profound feelings of inferiority. Okay. Uh, Pathological narcissism is in part a compensatory defense against these painful wounds and inferiority feelings. There is no question that Hitler's personality included pathological narcissism or what I have called psychopathic narcissism. That's not me. That's from this article. Mm-hmm. Um, and may have met modern diagnostic criteria for narcissistic personality disorder. And what is your thoughts? Or what are your thoughts? What, what, they, what is your thoughts? Um, so, first of all, don't Google Hitler's diagnosis. Uh, let me just start with telling you that. Because when you Google Hitler's diagnosis, some weird stuff comes up. I bet. So many things. Let's let's talk a little bit about some of the weird things that come up about Hitler, just so you know. There's some weird rumors. I don't know if they're true or not. I would like to believe they are because I didn't like him and I think he's horrible. But again, that might just be my personal bias thinking they were real about some interesting biological concerns that Hitler had mm-hmm. in the nether regions. 
but does that affect his Don't mental Google health? Don't Google it. That, does that affect his mental health diagnosis that you're going to give him today? I, the thing is, I mean, if they're true, right? Mm-hmm. So God only knows. Um, but I would imagine being a boy at that, in that era. Mm-hmm. And it's not helping him any, that's for sure. Being inferior. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> also having a tyrannical father. Not making excuses for his behavior. A lot nope. of people have but this medical issues. Right. The adult. Ag- agreed. But a lot of people have like medical issues or have horrible parents and are still able to mm-hmm. go to therapy. Right. Or figure out a way to deal with it. That sort of thing. Shove it deep, deep down. <laughs> Just repress the shit repress, out of it. Repress, repress, repress. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I do agree that the narcissistic personality disorder makes a lot of sense. Um, okay, so narcissistic personality disorder, according to the DSM-5, Diagnostic Statistical Manual. Manual, so basically the therapist Bible. Version 5. All right, so according to DSM-5, the narcissistic personality disorder is <clears throat> a pervasive pattern of grandiosity in fantasy or behavior, need for admiration, and lack of empathy, beginning in early adulthood and presenting in a variety of contexts as indicated by five or more of the following. Has grandiose sense of self-importance? Check. Check. Is preoccupied with fantasy of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty, or ideal love? Check. Wait, what was that again? Uh, is preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success, like Check. world domination. Check. Um, believes that she or he is special and unique and can only be understood by or should be associated with other special or high status people. So, Check. yeah. Uh, requires excessive admiration. Yeah. And has a sense of entitlement. Unreasonable expectations sure. of especially favorable treatment and automatic compliance. Yeah. With his or her expectations. Um, is, Sounds like it. So you need five or more of the following. There's still a couple more. Is interpersonally exploitive, takes advantage of others to achieve his or her own ends. Lacks empathy. Is often envious of others or believes that others are envious of him or her. Shows arrogant, haughty behaviors or attitudes. I think the only one we don't know for sure is empathy. We don't know enough about him. Narcissists get married. Narcissists have children all the time horrifying yes but we don't know enough about him on a personal level right because they're to uh, know in the research it said like not a lot is known about his childhood right and well, well we not even know. his childhood but as an adult was he capable <clears throat> of empathy was he able to have you know maybe not for everybody there are people i don't have empathy for but was he capable of it for even some people we don't know Agreed. but he had way enough of those fit he fit the bill yeah I mean, that's, so that's my thought that is based on an article that I've read that is based on some research that I have done. That's my opinion. What are your thoughts? What are your opinions? Right. Based, based off of the general public knowledge of Hitler. Right. Whether it's true or not, which, right. you know, he fits the bill for narcissistic personality disorder. I think... The, I mean, to a T almost. Yeah, I think the one thing is when I look at personality disorders, especially, mm-hmm. you look at the motivating factor right. behind the behavior. 
And when you're, when you have narcissistic, when you truly are diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder correctly, like your own personal gain, like your own personal ego is the, is the true motivating factor between behind all of the things you do, which makes it impossible to have empathy. Right. Because you only care for yourself. Yeah. And I think that's the thing too, like Mm -hmm. a narcissistic personality disorder is a very uncommon yeah to truly have it to truly have five or more of those we all have some traits of narcissism one million percent we all have some traits of every disorder right yeah all of them you know when you're talking about your ex and i think that's something that sometimes i get client i'm dating a narcissist am i dating a narcissist like oh my ex is a narcissist okay it's highlighting they had narcissistic traits or qualities that but you know labeling somebody as a narcissist versus saying they had some narcissistic traits that were a little overpowering right because if you think about it somebody who truly has narcissistic personality disorder is hitler has no empathy meaning like they cannot they don't get it no, it, it unless it benefits unless it benefits them directly, they do not care. They don't care. They don't. And that's why I feel I yeah, personality disorders aren't very common. No. To truly have a personality disorder, you got to check a lot of boxes and it's not just most of the time. No, it's like all the this time. This is your personality. You can fake some things, right? But you can't truly embody them. And so, but I would say based off the general knowledge of Hitler, what we, what we think we do know about him, we don't know for sure. But the persona that has become who he is in history definitely fits a bill for narcissistic personality. But that's a good diagnosis du jour. So what do you guys think? Yeah, tell us your thoughts. Or who do you want us to try to diagnose in the future? But not your mom. Maybe. Unless she's famous. Unless she's famous. If she's famous, tell us. Tell us. Wrapping up today's episode, self-care for the week. Taking our Jeep out onto some forest services on Sunday. Nice. Near one of the mountains. That's very nice. Yeah. I've been working a lot. So much. So much. A lot. A lot of hours. So my self-care... It's going to be a bath. And I always sleep in one day a week. Where I don't set an alarm. And I just let myself sleep. Oh yeah, I would love to wake up four hours before work and get all of this done. But I count out seven to eight hours. How much rest do I need? And then I'm like, whatever I can fit in between then and work works. Right. And then, no, but I have one day where I don't set an alarm. I don't expect myself to get anything done by a certain time of day. Whatever I get done, great whatever i don't don't yeah but i think that the bath is gonna be my main one i love it a nice hot bath and binging a good netflix series i mean come on like a cheesy a super cheesy netflix series All so the you're going jeeping jeeping yes and i'm taking a bath and binging some netflix. <laughs> i love it what is your self-care this week yeah email tag us, us tell email us. us tell us comment What's your self-care? While we're licensed mental health professionals, we're not your licensed mental health professionals. This podcast is intended to provide entertainment and information. 
not take the place of your own therapy services or professional education. Our thoughts and opinions are just that, our own thoughts and opinions. We're We're experts. experts. Kinda. Email us with topics you'd like to hear about, famous people you want us to diagnose, we're not diagnosing your Aunt Karen, folks, or thoughts about what we covered today at ButFirstTherapy at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate and review and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and follow us on Instagram for all the behind-the-scenes shenanigans at ButFirstTherapyPodcast, all one word. If you need help, please chat with the professionals at National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or suicidepreventionlifeline.org.